Keyboard Kimura podcast is brought to you by OneBone. If you're a bigger guy like me, chances are you've had problems finding shirts and gear that fits properly. The length is there, the sleeves are too wide, and the fit is all boxy. The sleeves are good, the shirt is a little too short, meaning your belly or your butt sticks out, which nobody likes. OneBone is the answer. The gear is made of 95% cotton and 5% spandex, meaning you get a little stretch and it fits right in all the right places. There's length to cover your gut and your butt with a number of different designs, styles, and colors to give you a complete wardrobe of good-looking gear that makes you feel comfortable and stylish every day. And as a supporter of this podcast, OneBone is offering you 10% off your next purchase with the promo code ESK10. That's my initials, E-S-K, all capitals, and the number 10. Just go to their website, onebonebrand.com, check out all the gear, figure out your size with their terrific sizing guide, and get yourself into some fresh new gear this summer and become a part of the growing One Bone community. One Bone, the biggest brand. Greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to the first video edition of the Keyboard Kamara podcast presented by One Bone. I am E. Spencer Kite, your friendly neighborhood Spencer man. And yes, I have caved. We're going full-blown audio video here on the Keyboard Kamara newsletter. So shouts to Harry Powell, who's enjoying his vacation for the push. Thank you to Ian O'Neill and Tiffany Shriver and Dan Urban and everybody else that has pushed me to take this step, to go to this place and start doing even more audio, even more video. I've heard all the all the comments. I've listened to all the comments. I appreciate you guys letting me know that you value this kind of content and that this stuff is the easier way for you to consume what I'm doing. That's always my goal. It's always my desire is to make sure that I get stuff out to everybody the way that they want to consume it and in a manner that they can consume it. And so if it means jumping on here and getting a little more comfortable in front of the camera, and taping some more podcasts, some more audio stuff. This is just what we're going to do. It's been a long time coming. It's been a thing that I avoided for a lot of years as somebody that, you know, came up and, and made my name and, and made, you know, a little bit of a following for myself by using the keys and by writing out words and, and not necessarily doing this. But we're here. We're getting comfortable. We're settling in. You'll get more of this throughout the weeks to come. I think this is now five days a week that there will be AV content. And so you'll still you'll still get written words for recaps. You'll still get written words for fighter to watch, but everything else is probably going to shift to to audio video. So get those earphones ready. Get those get those YouTube channels, those YouTube views ready. Cause we're coming. We're making the shift. So here we are today. It is Monday morning. We are a couple days removed from UFC 278. I'm still buzzing, as I said this morning on, on Twitter when I retweeted and, and re-upped the next day takeaways with Ian, which thank you to IO for, for jumping in and filling in for Harry yesterday. It was a good time. He is the official first person I call when I have an opening. Shawnee, you will be the second. I appreciate those guys for always filling in, for having these conversations with me. The subject today, the thing I want to talk about today, it's actually something Ian and I touched on a little bit yesterday on the takeaways. And that is to me that that Saturday's main event sort of confirmed 
the need or or more, more my want to see the UFC just move forward with the fights that make sense, the fights that are sort of lined up correctly. Because the way I look at it and the way I think of it is, is sort of like this. And I'm going to bust out the phone here and you're going to hang out with me for a minute as we go through and sort of look at where everybody was at the time because I want to make sure that I get my info right. So the way I think of it is this. Leon Edwards pushes his winning streak to, to eight with a win over Rafael Dos Anjos. It's, you know, the summer of 2019. He's got eight straight wins. There's a history between he and Kamaru Usman, and it just feels like this is the right fight to make. This is, this is the next one up, right? Usman's going to fight Colby Covington at the end of the year in December, and then the next fight should be Leon Edwards. He's won eight straight. Beaten Vicente Luque in there, beaten Brian Barbarina in there, beaten Donald Cerrone and, and Rafael Dos Anjos in there, and Gunnar Nelson in there. Good names, good fighters, good opponents, quality wins, each one of them. Beat Albert Tumanov in there when, when people were still very high on Einstein. And so to me, it just felt at that time like Leon had done enough, right? Jorge Masvidal was still a few months away from beating Nathan Diaz to win the BMF title. Didn't really even feel at the time like necessarily the next guy up. Gilbert Burns hadn't started his run. And instead of getting Leon Edwards booked in to face Kamaru Usman, he got booked in to face Tyron Woodley. That fight never happened. It was supposed to happen in London. COVID happened. Pandemic happened. Things got shifted around. Gilbert Burns moved in, ends up facing Tyron Woodley. He punches his ticket to a title shot down the road. Like all these things just happen. And Leon Edwards continues to get distance put between he and Kamaru Usman, or he in the welterweight title, I should say. And it's the Hamzat Chamaev trilogy that never happened, right? Three different fights that they tried to make never came together. It's the Bilal Muhammad fight. It's then Nathan Diaz. And so then we get to Saturday, and I said all the way going in, and, and yes, this is probably going to feel a little bit like playing the results. I said all the way going in that it had the potential to be a fight of the year fight. It wasn't necessarily that up until the ending. The ending certainly changed the way we're going to talk about and remember that fight, or at least the finality of that fight, because those middle rounds were, were dominant for Kamaru Usman, but not the most thrilling. But I think if you played that fight back a hundred times, if you had them fight a hundred times, 75 or 80, 80 times, you're getting a competitive, entertaining back and forth fight. I mean, the fight started. It, it feels like because the middle three rounds were as dominant as they were, we've lost sight of the fact that the first round made us all sit up and take notice, made us all go, hang on, wait a minute, we got something here. Because Leon Edwards holds his own in the clinch and he stuffs the initial takedowns. And then he's the one that gets the takedown. Dragging Kamara Usman to the ground with a lovely trip right into Mount Gives him the dilemma, as Harry likes to talk about, by hitting him with some elbows. Usman gives up his back. We spend the final minute of the round with the challenger on the champion's back, threatening for chokes, landing a few punches, showing everybody that he absolutely belongs in this fight, that he's belonged here all along. And the next three rounds are dominated by Usman. I think that is as much about the champion rallying and the champion saying, okay, let me show you what I'm about here. You think you had a good start? Fine. You're up 1-0. It's time for me to assert myself. And he did. And there was a little bit of, of Leon Edwards sort of 
you know, getting getting stuck in the mud a little, getting stuck probably in his head a little, getting stuck in the moment a little. Harry talked about it on his fabulous one-man booth that, that Edwards has moments where he's passive, where he's not as active as he needs to be. He's not the one dictating. And when that happens, we end up seeing what we saw on Saturday. Three rounds where Kamaru Usman presses forward and does the majority of the good work. And the takedowns start getting a little easier because the pressure and the pace and the altitude and the grind of it all starts wearing on Leon Edwards. But then we get to that to that fifth round and it's it's a magic moment, right? Ian and I talked about it. Everybody's been talking about it rightfully so. It's a magic moment. They have that restart. He gets a little bounce in his feet. He throws that combination. He lands that kick and we have a new welterweight champion. And I think if you did that fight at any point over these last three years, it's not necessarily going to end the way that it did on Saturday, but it's going to be a competitive, compelling affair because these two guys are just matched up that way. They just fit each other in that way. And I know that sounds weird to say when those middle three rounds on Saturday weren't particularly active. I think if you take it out of Salt Lake City, it probably looks a little different. I think everybody would agree with that. But if you had them fight each other three years ago, two years ago even, we we get a similar fight, I think. Because there's nothing that Leon Edwards has shown me in the last couple of years that says he's not capable of it. And he showed us on Saturday, granted, in fits and starts, that he's capable of it, that he's capable of hanging with and ultimately defeating Kamaro Usman. And I think when we get the trilogy fight, whenever that may be, whether it's this year next March in London, somewhere down the line, depending on health and availability and things like that. I again think we're going to get a really entertaining fight. I don't think that dynamic changes between these two guys because of the way they match up stylistically, because of the different things that they each bring to the table. And now I understand that one of the arguments or one of the maybe complaints going in was that this wasn't the most box office friendly matchup let's say this wasn't one that had you know a whole bunch of trash talk like the colby covington fights or had the intrigue even of a second masvidal fight where he's getting a full camp and things like that which in hindsight like anybody that anybody that bought that bill of goods i got some lovely beachfront property for you in nebraska that i'd love to sell you um this it, it wasn't that but it was too Terrific fighters, very much deserving of this opportunity, right? Edwards Edwards in the last two years puts up two more, goes two more fights without a, without a loss, pushing the unbeaten streak to 10. Usman obviously coming in 15-0, and, and and we get a magic fight. I think we're going to get a magic one as well whenever it happens again. And to me, that just speaks to the need, that speaks to my desire to just see whoever is next in line be next in line. I don't, and and again, as always, as forever, I understand that I'm the outlier here. I understand that I'm the guy that, you know, is going to watch everything no matter what. But I do think there's something to it. And I think this year really has proven that there's something to it. You go back to June and, and Tyler Santos coming out and having a very good performance against Valentina Shevchenko that no one expected. She was just the next person up. She was simply next in line. Valentina Shevchenko had beaten everybody else in that division that stood in front of her in that division. So Tyler Santos gets her win over Joanne Wood, and it becomes 
a fight that propels her into a championship fight. She's at long odds. Nobody expects her to do much. And she goes out there and surprises and gives Shevchenko a really good fight to the point that maybe it's a rematch. Maybe we have to do it again because the clash ahead maybe changed things a great deal. I think you look at even the second Aljamain Sterling Piotr Jan fight. Not a lot of people expected Aljo to have the performance he had, to have the kind of fight that he had, but he did. And he went out there and it was the right fight to make based on everything that had happened. And we just went forward with it. We didn't do the like, well, nah, people aren't that interested in Aljo and he's not a big enough name and there's this reaction and that reaction to where he's nominated for comeback of the year for internet ridicule at the MMA Awards, which is, yeah, yeah. That's what it is. If you're watching the video of it, you could see the facial reaction of, of what that is. But it was the right fight to make, right? It was, it was the correct matchup to make. And I just think we are getting to points where we're no longer happy with just the right matchup. We want to put all these other different qualifiers on it. We want it to sell really well, which is one of those ones that I've never understood. And I'm just going to say it now. I want to just put it out there for everybody. I have never understood why fight fans in trying to advocate for fights or discuss fights that are coming up say, well, it's not going to sell very well. What do you care if it sells well? Is it compelling? Is it entertaining? Is it going to be a competitive fight? Why do you care how much money the UFC is going to make from it? Why do you care what kind of box office and bank the UFC is going to get from this? Well, they're not going to do big pay-per-view numbers. Okay, are you going to enjoy the fight? That to me should be the only thing that that factors in or one of the few things that factors in. And hey, the USC isn't going to make that much money shouldn't really be a consideration. But I digress. I don't need there to be heated rivalries or somebody that has all the buzz in the world. Like I don't need to see Hamzat Chemaev hotshotted into a championship opportunity when there is someone like Leon Edwards that has worked his way through the path to get there, right? And it goes back even years before this. It goes to all the different athletes that have said, I've worked my way to this position and I want my opportunity. I want those athletes to get their opportunity because it's been earned, because it's merited. I don't like using the word deserve when talking about this sport because nobody deserves anything and that's sort of the way, you know, that we, we've learned that what you deserve isn't necessarily a thing that factors, right? But for all the talk that we always got for years of Tony Ferguson winning 12 straight fights and never getting the opportunity to chance for the un- to to fight, excuse me, for the undisputed lightweight title, we almost got there with Leon Edwards. He's 12 straight fights without 10 straight fights without a loss and people were still like, "Yeah, isn't there somebody better? Can't we do Chimaev? Isn't there isn't there something else we can do?" Nah, he he deserved it. And he showed on Saturday night that he still had it in him in the 24th minute to pull a rabbit out of the hat and bring that belt back home to Birmingham. And I think it would really overall behoove the UFC, be good for the sport, be good for the athletes, ultimately be good for the fans, even if people aren't going to agree with me on that right up front. If we just keep booking the people that have moved into position rather than picking and choosing which athlete is going to get the next shot. And I understand there are going to be divisions where there are multiple options, right? You look at lightweight, there's usually one or two people, maybe even two or three that you can say they're all sort of in line. 
But right now, that's not the case. Islam Mahachev is clearly the guy. And so they're making that fight. They've made that fight between he and Charles Oliveira. It is the right fight. And we're going to see what happens. It's not, it's not going to sell a million pay-per-views, but it's the right fight. It's the right matchup at the right time between the right two competitors. And it's going to show the very best of the lightweight division, the same way that Saturday showed the very best of the welterweight division. And UFC 277, 276 in, in Singapore showed the very best of the women's flyweight division with Shevchenko and, and Tyler Santos. And going forward, we're going to keep getting the very best of the division, right? Even Israel Adesanya's win over, over Jared Cannonier. Jared Cannonier is not a huge name. He's not a guy that people are rushing out to want to see fight, but he earned that spot. He had worked his way to that spot. He had done enough to merit that opportunity. And you just give it to him. You, you, you reward that effort. And then you move forward. And if it works out that he wins, then you've got something new and it's something fresh and it's something unexpected and intriguing, much like Saturday night, right? Very few people went into that fight thinking Leon Edwards is going to win. And as the fight progressed, that number got fewer and fewer and fewer. We were talking more and more about Kamaru Usman and tying Anderson Silva's record and greatest of all time and best welterweight and pound for pound this and pound for pound that. And now here we are two days later and most people in this community cannot wait for the trilogy fight. So two days removed from a fight that they weren't necessarily that interested in. And, and Sean Sheehan put up a great piece about this on the Severe MMA website, uh, put it up on Sunday. So go read it. Talking about admitting for himself, look, I wasn't that big on this fight. I wasn't that interested. But goddamn, I'm interested now. Like, I'm convinced you've, you've sold me. Let's go. And I think this is a thing that can actually happen and create sort of more organic interest in these athletes, in these matchups, in these names that people don't necessarily know, right? I come on here all the time and talk about the instances where people say, well, I don't know that guy, or they're not a big enough name, and why are they headlining this, and why are they getting that opportunity? And I think these fights of just giving them those chances turn them into bigger names. Like, it's a cyclical argument to me, right? Oh, well, they're not a big enough name to headline a fight night. Well, how do they become a big enough name if they're not given these opportunities? We saw that with Matoish Gamrot and Armin Saryukin earlier this year. They go out, they have a great fight. Both of them elevate their name. Both of them elevate their stock. Gamrot's now going to fight Benil Daryush. That's going to be a big fight. People are going to be more interested in that fight, having seen Gamrot get a main event assignment on a fight night. Similarly, this fight with Leon Edwards and Usman, the third fight is now gigantic because we saw Leon Edwards go out and do what he did. Now, that's certainly a huge part of it, right? The way it ended is certainly a huge part of it. You cannot argue that. I won't sit here and say, ah, that's nothing to do with it. It's certainly a great big part of it. But it doesn't matter. That's the result we got, right? That's, that's the beauty of this. We got a result that created interest. That's always a possibility in this sport. Every time two men, two women step into that octagon, there's the chance that something fucking wild happens that sends your intrigue and your interest through the roof. And that's what happened on Saturday. 
because the right guy, the most deserving guy, the guy that had earned that spot, got the chance to go out there. And in the 24th minute, went, hey, I got to do something and kicked Kamara Usman upside his head. And for me, as a fan of this sport, as a consumer of this sport, as somebody that that chronicles this sport on a daily basis, that's the stuff I want to see. I don't need to see pretend trash talk rivalries. I don't need to see this guy wronged me backstage. Like Jorge Masvidal and his team coming out on Saturday and being like, hey, it's great. We're in line. Let's go. Championship fight. Now it's time. Three-piece in a soda. No, like not even close. That was three years ago, dude. You had three years to capitalize on this and did not. You wanted no part of it. You actively went out of your way to find other fights and other moments and not face Leon Edwards. And look, Masvidal did a great job in 2019 to capitalize on his moment that started in London when he pieced up Leon Edwards in the back and then sat down with Brett Okamoto and delivered the three-piece in a soda line. Of course, then follows it up with Ben Askren, and then the Nathan Diaz fight, as I mentioned. But this isn't all. This isn't now your ticket to a championship opportunity because there's some three-year-old beef that you're still ha- you're now going to drudge back up and be like, hey, remember that time I punched you? Because I remember those times you've lost your last three fights and been uncompetitive in your last three fights. And you can say, oh, Styles and this and that, and we've got beef. And great, you haven't earned anything. You haven't won anything. You haven't done anything to make me think you deserve a third championship opportunity in three years on some three-year-old stale beef that you didn't even want to investigate. Back when Leon Edwards was dying for opportunities, was just standing there like, I need to fight someone. Where's Masvidal? So just give the next man up the opportunity. Just keep going with the next person that's in line. The really cool thing to me about this sport, or one of the many really cool things about this sport, because I think there are myriad cool things about this sport, is that it will always sort of just work itself out, right? If you just keep athletes moving forward, if you keep matchups being fresh, you keep finding ways to circulate the talent through these divisions, Things won't often get that stale because new people come along, new matchups get made and new opportunities are presented and someone always rises to the occasion, right? Two years ago, we had no idea who Hamzat Chemaev is. And then he shows up on Fight Island, smashes John Phillips, turns around 10 days later and smashes Reese McKee. And all of a sudden we got a guy that we want to know more about, we want to see more from goes out and beats Gerald Merchard in September, and we go, okay, for real. Came out of nowhere. It happens. It happens all the time. It didn't take that long for a guy like Piotr Jan to work his way to the championship or to the top of the bantamweight division. It didn't take – it took Yuri Prohoshka three fights. His third fight, he won the, the light heavyweight title. And it was just by progressing him through the ranks. It was just by making the next right matchup. And looking and saying he is the next right guy to face Glover Teixeira to where we got that fight that is one of the best fights of the year, one of the most entertaining fights of the year. Here he's probably screaming at me, hearing me call it the best, one of the best fight of the year, fights of the year, because he thinks it was a slop fest and there were a lot of mistakes. But 
it was entertaining and compelling. I'll give it that. And I just think that as much as we want to see, as much as there is a segment of the fan base that really craves the drama, that really just wants, I need these two guys to be, or these two people to be chirping at each other, to be exchanging barbs on Twitter, to be in each other's DMs, talking shit, saying all this wildness. That wildness and all of that stuff, it, it doesn't translate into the cage. At the end of the day, it's not like all of that stuff fuels them once they get into the cage and we see this lunacy come out because they're so fired up. These are still professional athletes that are just, just trying to draw eyeballs. And to me, the eyeballs will come organically if you just keep making the correct next fight. And the great thing is, is that the further away from the top of the division you get, there's so many options for what that next correct fight is even if it is sometimes a second test for a young fighter or, or a fight like Tyson Pedro's fight on Saturday, where it's just to make sure that he can stay healthy. It's just to make sure that we can get two or three fights out of Tyson Pedro after three and a half years on the sidelines. It's just about going forward because stuff happens, stuff comes together. It doesn't always have to be who is the most popular name, who is the biggest box office draw. Right, like part of the reason everybody's objecting to the Nathan Diaz Hamzat Chamayev fight is because it feels really, it feels really not right for so many reasons. It feels like such a weird matchup for so many reasons. It's Nathan's last fight on his contract. It feels like he's being sent to the wolf, literally. It feels like kind of stylistically, like not the right fight. Like there should be something different for Chemaev as he gets that one step closer to fighting for the welterweight title, which now has been sort of pushed back, as Daniel Cormier said at the end of the broadcast on Saturday. Sorry, Chemaev, but your road just got a little longer because we got to do this a third time. Now, you can't necessarily plan for that and, and book him that accordingly, expectantly, but it sure would be nicer if he was facing Colby Covington in, instead of Nathan Diaz. And maybe Covington isn't even the right guy because if he happens to win, you don't need to roll him out there for a third fight with Kamaru Usman. But it just feels like if we keep making the fights that make sense, if we keep making the next man up, the next woman up fights, we're going to get to a good place. We're going to get to fights that are compelling based on results, based on the efforts these athletes have put forward. And yes, there are going to be times where it's somebody that isn't the most popular fighter that's stepping in there and challenging for a title. It's going to be Jared Cannonier. It's going to be Leon Edwards. It's going to be Tyler Santos. But two of those three athletes surprised everybody. One of them walked away with gold, the other very close, and may get another chance because she was that close. And to me, that's way more compelling. That's far more interesting than seeing Alex... Pahea rushed into a middleweight title fight because he's got history with Israel Adesanya from kickboxing seven, eight years ago. This isn't kickboxing. I haven't seen anything that makes me believe Alex Pahea is going to go out there and beat Israel Adesanya in an MMA fight yet. Because I tell you what, Izzy's not going to march forward with his hand somewhere around here like Sean Strickland did. He's going to fight MMA, and I wouldn't be surprised as Harry's talked about 
in talking about this fight in the past that he comes out and takes him down and looks to submit him. It's something as he's talked about wanting to do. It's a it's an avenue and a wrinkle of his game that is probably vastly superior to Pahea's. So don't be surprised if that's where it goes. And then we'll have the one that doesn't really necessarily make sense out of the way. And in the back of that, we'll be having some more middleweights matriculating up the rankings, working their way into position. Because outside of the crazy, outside of the box office draw, outside of the drama draw, we have people doing things the right way. We have people climbing the ladder the correct way, earning results, earning wins, earning opportunities. That's the stuff I want to see. Because to me, that's where we get these magic moments, right? Not that we can't have them in rivalry fights. Not that we can't have them in fights where there's beef and history between the two, right? I was sitting cage side when Conor McGregor knocked out Jose Aldo. Beef, history between the two. Conor also worked his way there. He also earned his way into that position. And so that's the ultimate, right? That's the ultimate. That's the ideal situation. Is somebody that works their way in there and there's beef and there's tension and there's drama and it becomes perfect. It's why it sold as many pay-per-views as it did. It's why Connor and Khabib sold as many as it did. It's why most things with Connor sell the way they do. He has a way of creating interest and drama and tension with everyone, no matter what. Even people just on the street sometimes. But you don't necessarily have to force that. If there's somebody that's deserving, just give them the shot rather than trying to mine the biggest opportunity. Because sometimes you can get Leon Edwards coming out and digging deep and, you know, having that moment where his corner's in his ear and in his ass telling him, you got to go. You got to go, man. Let's go, Rock. You got to go. To where he goes out and in the last minute of a championship fight that he's down pretty clearly and is pretty close to just walking out of there on the wrong side of a one-sided result, he pulls out a miracle and pulls out a beautiful combination to win the welterweight title and shows that he has been deserving of being in that cage, that he deserved that opportunity and he had done enough to earn that opportunity years ago and should have had it years ago and now sets up a trilogy fight, as I've said a couple times here, that we are all looking forward to. And if you're not looking forward to it now, I don't believe you. I'm sorry. I think you're a liar. Because you can't watch that on Saturday and not be pumped for them to do it again whenever they do it again. And it is the absolute right fight to make. It is the absolute compelling, earned, deserved fight to make. And I just want to see more people that work their way up that ladder, that put in the work, that put in the results, that get there by earning it, get the opportunities that those results should produce. You look at welterweight right now, and we'll wrap on this. We've got Bilal Muhammad fighting Sean Brady pretty soon. The winner of that's going to be hard to deny to me as a championship contender. Now, maybe they have to wait behind Hamza Chamayev, provided he beats Nathan Diaz. We'll see what happens there. And, of course, this trilogy fight is going to take place. But it's going to be hard to put another, another hurdle in front of either of those guys, in front of whoever wins that fight. Because Bilal's undefeated in a bunch. Sean Brady's undefeated overall. 
you can't just keep making these people clear more and more hurdles because that's how we get to Tony Ferguson. That's how we get to 12 fights and no undisputed title shot and everybody feeling bad because the window closes and he ages out and Justin Gaethje happens and then Michael Chandler happens with two other guys happening in between. At some point, you have to stop putting hurdles in front of people that are producing results and just give them their opportunity because that's what resets things. That's what creates a flow in these divisions. That's how we get out of sort of the cycle we've been in. And Sean talked about it on a state of the UFC a couple of, couple of months back. That's how we get out of these cycles of Justin Gaethje winning one fight and thinking he's next in line for a lightweight title shot or Michael Chandler winning one fight and believing he should be next in line for a lightweight title fight. Keep things moving forward to where people have to earn results and put forward multiple results rather than just be the biggest name that was in the biggest fight that had the biggest opportunity and capitalized. Give the Bilal Muhammad's, the Sean Brady's, the Leon Edwards, the Tyler Santos's of this world their opportunity. Because some nights you get Saturday night. And when those happen, it's magic. And it sends a course of electricity buzzing throughout this industry, throughout this community, to where a fight that a lot of people weren't necessarily keen on seeing turns into the hot, most anticipated fight of, of the year. This one's at the top of everybody's list. And if it's not, it's, it's got to be top three after the way that happened. After the way that finished. Give people their opportunities. Give them a shot. You don't know who's going to surprise you. You don't know how it's going to play out. We think all the time that we know how these things are going to play out. And time and again, these athletes show us that we don't. And they surprise us. And I'm here to be surprised. I'm here to be amazed. I'm here to be captivated. And I get that more when I see athletes that have earned those opportunities get those shots and do everything in their power to surprise me and show that they've deserved to be there all along. That's it for today. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Back next Monday. Until then, we'll talk to you soon.